All right. Well, welcome to another edition of Missouri Farm Bureau's podcast, Digging In. I'm your host, Garrett Hawkins, and also have the opportunity to serve as your president. Well, as we think about uh, April, you know, many of us uh, that wear the farm hat are have long to-do lists now that spring has finally arrived. But there's a date that always haunts all of us in April, and that's the um, encroaching or fast approaching day of, of tax day. And so as we thought about this podcast, I think it's a perfect opportunity to talk to um, our eighth district member of Congress, Mr. Jason Smith, who knows a little bit about tax policy uh, because of his leadership role in Washington, D.C. So, Congressman, welcome. Glad Thank to have you. Thank me, Garrett. It's great to be with you all. So tell a little bit about yourself first and, and the district that you represent. You know, Garrett, I represent um, the 30 counties uh, that represents Southeast and South Central Missouri. It's everything 20 miles south of the city of St. Louis to 10 miles east of Branson. Um, it's a very rural congressional district. We grow everything in our congressional district uh, except for citrus and sugar, rice, cotton, you name it. Um, and my background is I, I live in our fourth, uh, I'm the fourth generation owner of our family farm. I raise uh, beef cattle. I have uh, Red Angus, Black Angus, Charlay. Um, so I have a rainbow herd, but I also raise buffalo. <laughs> I have a Katahdin hair sheep herd and all my donkeys are named after Democrats, but um, that's, <laughs> that's the Smith Ranch. Well, <laughs> I didn't realize your ranch is so diverse, Congressman. That's great. You got to have it all. Just like your district. That's right. So, you know, during your time in Congress, you, you know, you've emerged in two really key places, and that's the Budget Committee as well as Ways and Means, uh, which is a really important committee when you think about tax policy as well as trade policy. But can you talk about that committee in specific terms and what it means for Missouri? Of course, the Ways and Means Committee is the oldest committee in Congress. It is the committee that has sole jurisdiction over all taxation. In fact, any tax increase has to come through the House Ways and Means Committee or tax decrease for that matter. It is also the committee that has jurisdiction over all trade. So whenever you're looking at representing rural Missouri, or actually all of Missouri, we're all, of, we're all affected by the tax code. We're all affected by trade. And that is how I felt like that I could best represent um, the, the good folks in Missouri is to, is to make sure that we have a strong rural representation for our way of life on the tax writing committee and on the trade committee. Okay, so I noted earlier tax day is April 18th, so it's coming up fast. What comes to mind when you think about this day? It's the day that everyone does not look forward to. That's what comes to mind. Um, you know, the most feared agency, without a doubt, Garrett, is the IRS. Um, people don't like working with the IRS. They're always fearful of that letter or the phone call from the IRS. Not that they're hiding anything, but they're just always afraid that they're not crossing every T, dotting every I. And unfortunately, the tax code changes all the time. And a lot of, a lot of times it's, it's, it's not for the benefit. You know, we were, we were fortunate to be able to pass the 2017 Tax Cut and Job, Jobs Act, which I was one of the sponsors of legislation about five years ago. 
that reduced, reduced um, taxes for all Missourians, but it also helped with trying to eliminate the death tax. Um, we didn't get the death tax eliminated in that proposal, but we definitely made it uh, in a better direction where the, say the, the deduction went from around $5 million to now it's over 11 million per person. Um, unfortunately, we're facing a lot of attacks right now from the president's budget, which is proposing to increase those taxes and increasing not just the death tax, but increasing all kinds of taxes. Glad you mentioned the death tax, because I mean, through your involvement in Farm Bureau and connection to Farm Bureau through the years, you know our work on the death tax. It's always been a huge priority for us um, in, in talking about just the unjust, unfair nature of taxing death. Um, and as we fight to transition farms from generation to generation, this is such a huge issue that weighs on our members. It's also an issue that Missourians through the years have really uh, champion. So can you tell us a little bit more about where the death tax, you know, you're, you're the lead now in the house on, on this issue in terms of trying to eliminate the death tax. So why, why did you jump on it? You know, this has been a piece of legislation that I have been um, the lead on since uh, my former colleague, uh, who is now the governor of South Dakota, Christy Nome was the lead prior to that. When she left Congress, I took over the work that she had she had done. And then Kevin Brady had done that before her, the current Republican leader of the Ways and Means Committee. And uh, right now, I'm in partnership with that, with a Democrat member. He's actually the chairman of the, the House Ad Committee, Sanford Bishop, which which is extremely important. The two of us are, are the leaders, uh, you know, for the complete repeal the, the death tax. That is just to eliminate it altogether. We have 155 co-sponsors of this legislation. It's, it's extremely important. It's where we'd like to be. It's the title, the number is HR 1712. Um, unfortunately, we're facing a lot of opposition from the Biden administration and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who are not uh, friends. They, they believe that once you die, you should be doubled and tripled taxed. Um, that's not the way, way that we believe it should be. You work your entire life, you're taxed your entire life. The last thing that, that, the, that your, uh, your heirs, your, your kids and your, your spouse needs is a bill from the IRS. But unfortunately, they don't only support the death tax. Some of these people want to increase the percent that you pay upon death. So, so tied to the death tax and this whole conversation is stepped up basis, which obviously its preservation has been such a, a, an integral part as we advocate for common sense tax policy and certain tax policy. I know you uh, led or are leading on a resolution on maintaining the importance of stepped up basis. I think you have over 70 co-sponsors probably at least. Can you just talk a little bit about that? I mean, cause it seems like you've got a very much a holistic strategy here as you advocate for common sense tax policy for farm ran farmers, ranchers, and small business owners. Stepped up basis would be extremely detrimental, not just to farmers, but all small businesses in Missouri, if this would take an effect. And 
Um, this has been an aggressive push by the administration to virtually eliminate stepped-up basis. At, as recent as the president's budget that just came out a week ago Monday proposed eliminating um, uh, stepped-up basis or drastically changing stepped-up basis. Um, let's just say that. Um, and so this is a current fight. We're trying to show the support in Congress that that we do not want elimination of stepped up basis, but um, you know, it, 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 we we are definitely up against a fight. Just put it that way. Um, and then over on the Senate side, you have um, you have Senator Warren who and who has been pushing legislation to to basically put into law what the president's budget has proposed. So, Congressman, when you talk about the budget and, and obviously the administration's uh, priorities, um, you know, I think it's safe to say that you have maybe some differing viewpoints on on spending. And we continue to hear uh, we don't hear as much right now about build back better, uh, but it seems like it's at least being pieced out. Certainly, that's what we see with the the president's climate agenda of how it's parceled out across government. Just talk to us a little bit about. I mean, we're raising taxes for a reason, right? I mean, to 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 pay for things. So what's that look like from the two committees that you think on which you sit? You know, um, Garrett, I am the Republican leader of the House Budget Committee, um, but I'm the representative from the Ways and Means Committee. That's why I'm on the Budget Committee. Uh, of course, my focus lately has been the president's budget. And just to give you top lines of what was proposed a week ago Monday, was $73 trillion worth of spending over the next 10 years. But also, uh, was that spending just completely egregious? For example, it's 66% above the 10-year average for the prior 10 years in spending. So it's a, it's a very large increase in spending. But what's even scarier is, is that in the president's budget, he proposes $58 trillion worth of taxes. Um, $4 trillion of new taxes. And in those $4 trillion of new taxes, you would see taxes go up for all Americans. He wants to uh, eliminate the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that was passed back in 2017. He wants to virtually eliminate stepped up basis. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. But what they're trying to do within the budget is to still push through the Build Back Better, as I refer to it, the Build Back Broke. And he created a, a like a fake deficit neutral account where they want to spend roughly $5 trillion and still, still put roughly half, uh, half a trillion dollars towards implementing the policies of the Green New Deal. For example, they're wanting to create a methane tax. And within that proposal, Agriculture is not exempted. And we offered legislation to try to exempt agriculture during the discussions of the Build Back, Build Back Better, Build Back Broke. Um, they voted it down. And as you know, whenever you're not straightforward in statute, it gives so much authority to the agencies that when they promulgate rules, if you don't exclude certain things, then everything's on the table. And in fact, that's how we look at it with this methane tax. We projected that if you don't exclude agriculture, an individual under the, the, 
the, the numbers that they put in there would have to pay roughly $6,500 per cow per year as a methane tax. The, the, the war on rural America when it comes to the policies that's implemented in this budget proposal are awful. They're trying to push you towards electric, uh, electric cars, electric tractors. And I can tell you, Garrett, I don't know of any farmer in my congressional district in Southeast Missouri, and we have a whole lot of farmers. I don't know of one that has an electric tractor. And even if they did, they're also trying to propose, based in the policies in here, to eliminate our number one uh, power generation, which is coal. 70% of all the electric generation in our congressional district and over the state of Missouri is from electric, is from coal power, but they're wanting to eliminate it. It doesn't make sense. And that's probably why we have an energy crisis, why we have an inflation crisis, and why we have a lot of other crises. Well, I mean, I guess on a positive note, you could be a trendsetter and be the first to uh, purchase an electric tractor, Congressman, for your for your ranch. I, I'm, Just, I'm, I'm not a wealthy guy, and I don't have the $150,000, $200,000, nor will I ever be driving a Tesla either. Gary. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that you're going on record saying that, Congressman. You know, we've got a few minutes left. Uh you're kind of hinting at it, obviously, just the regulatory climate. I appreciate it, you know, your comments on methane. You know, we've got policy reiterating our position on any type of tax of that nature, but we've got a return of waters of the U.S. We see, you know, essentially a regulatory agenda on steroids. Any comments on WOTUS or anything else on the regulatory front? Yeah, it's very concerning to myself. I know it's concerning to Missouri Farm Bureau about reopening um, the regulations in regards to waters of the United States. We, uh, we're quite alarmed with trying to redefine the definition of a navigable waterway. What also concerns me, back to the budget, is that on average, um, the different agencies had roughly 11 to 12% um, increase However, EPA stood out above the rest of them. The budget that was proposed increases the funding to the EPA by 25%, the largest of all agencies. It clearly shows where they're wanting to direct their priorities. And the fact that WOTUS is one of their top priorities in redefining the, the words of a navigable waterway and also the regulatory makeup is quite concerning. As you know, before we were concerned about a navigable waterway being a pothole that's filled with rain on a gravel road. And then that could be considered a navigable waterway and you'd have to get your necessary permits just to operate. That's scary. The regulatory machine can be one of the most lethal machines for small businesses or for our farmers just to operate. Whether it's dust on county roads, um, whether it's the dust at the gin down in Dunklin County, it's just, it, it, it's, it's a tough thing that we got to be watching. And if the EPA continues to have a high, highly appropriated and funded budget, it gives them more tools at their disposal to, to inject environmental policies that will be very, very detrimental to rural, rural America. Well, we are watching very closely, 
Uh, I know you, you and your team are, are staying abreast as well, and we're doing our best to keep you informed as to everything that we're monitoring across the spectrum, as well as our member adoptive policies. Just, it's obviously very evident for our listeners at this critical time as we approach tax day, you know, there was no one better to have on this podcast just to kind of set the stage as to these conversations in Washington. So just really appreciate, you know, your attention to detail, because obviously detail matters. And so are there any bright spots you want to leave us with, Congressman, before uh, you hop to the next meeting? As well as I'll note that we have 300, uh, more than 300 FFA and 4-H members here today as a part of our Youth Leadership Day. They're at the Capitol um, visiting with their lawmakers. So you have a background in, in youth programs. So why don't you end us on a really upbeat, positive note about the importance uh, of their voices in the policy process? You know, I'll tell you, it's just like the FFA creed. Um, I believe in the future of agriculture, um, how that starts out. Those young and men, those young men and women that are at our our state's capital and with you all today, it's it's awesome. Um, they are not just the leaders of tomorrow, they're the leaders of today. And, and if I would have not ever had the opportunity to be in that program, I would not be serving in, in Congress, without a doubt. When you walk into my office here in Washington, DC, what you'll see framed is my FFA jacket. I take such great pride in that because I was a shy kid who could not get up in front of a group of, of, of individuals to say a sentence, let alone two, especially doing that at Bakery. I could never do all five paragraphs at once because I was so shy. It's a program that, that definitely changed my life through leadership abilities, leadership skills, but also the supervised agriculture experience that I had. My FFA project um, was what helped fund and make it possible where I could be the first one in my family to graduate college. So as I say, it definitely um, changed my life and it's changing the lives of those 300 men and women, young boys and girls that, that are there. So thank you all for hosting them. Thank you for making their, their visit to the Capitol special. I did that whenever I was in high school. And so I know how fun it is. Well, if they were all sitting here right now as a part of a live listening audience, we'd do a power clap for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, certainly I look forward to when I greet them after lunch, I'll make sure to, to say that I had the chance to, to visit with you, Congressman. And, you know, once you've worn the blue and gold jacket, you always have that feeling. And I tell you, uh, Robert's Rules of Order through your time as a policymaker, you cut your teeth like the rest of us getting parliamentary procedure as a as a freshman and sophomore in high school, um, which is pretty cool. You can always tell those FFA kids um, when it comes to Parley Pro. You absolutely did. And also participating in the contest team for Parley Pro Parliamentary Procedure. We weren't nearly as good as some of the other schools in South Central Mo, but um, we showed up. <laughs> you know what? You showed up and you kept showing up, and that's why you're in Congress. So Jason Smith, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your service uh, on these important committees and keep digging in and leading the good fight for common sense tax policy. That's another edition of Digging In. Thank you all for tuning in and we will talk to you again soon.